Welcome to Healthy Wealthy You, where we'll continue to explore all aspects of functional medicine and good health. We'll help you find the tools to become the best version of yourself. Now, here is your host, Dr. Camille Vardy. Welcome to Healthy Wealthy You. This is Dr. Camille. Today, let's talk about a condition that affects 20 million people in the United States and 200 million people around the world. And 60% of the people who have it don't even know it. We're talking about thyroid disease. More than three quarters of the people with thyroid issues have an autoimmune thyroid condition. And that means it's directly related to diet, environment, and inflammation. And that means there's a lot you can do to help. So why is it so underdiagnosed? Well, one reason is that people don't recognize the full range of symptoms. But more importantly, doctors usually only test for one thing when there are a lot of different factors that go into it. So even if you have a lot of the symptoms, and even if you talk to your doctor about it, you may be told that everything is just fine, and then you go along assuming, well, this is just the way I am. I tend to be cold. I tend to be overweight. I'm just tired out from life, etc. And then we just buy the latest diet book or buy some new piece of workout equipment, hoping that this time we really, really are successful. I've seen people who barely wanted to get out of bed to face the day, and it turned out to be their thyroid. Most doctors just test one value, TSH, and then allow for a very wide range of what's actually normal. And that one indicator doesn't even begin to reveal the whole story. In functional medicine, we usually test about seven different parameters for just the thyroid alone. And then there are a lot of other issues that need to be examined too, such as blood sugar and liver function. In fact, TSH, which stands for thyroid stimulating hormone, is just a hormone. Um, it's, it's what we produce that tells the thyroid to function. It's not actually the thyroid hormone itself. So looking at that and assuming everything is okay is like telling your, te your teenager to set his alarm clock and assuming that just from that, that he made it to school just fine the next day. The message and the result are very different things. Low thyroid function, if it's diagnosed at all, is the most common diagnosis. But thyroid function can also be too high. And either of those can be caused by autoimmune uh, issues. And that, once it's autoimmune, that's a big additional layer that needs to be tested and treated. And then, of course, we have other issues such as goiter and thyroid cancer. Um, um, but let's, let's take a look at these. First of all, how does the thyroid work normally? Um, a little background, and I'll keep it really brief, so bear with me. The brain first has to produce a chemical, TRH, that tells the pituitary, which is the control center for our hormones, to activate the thyroid. Testing for TRH is something that's only done in specialty labs. And honestly, even as a functional medicine doctor, I've really never seen it ordered. 
Um, but that doesn't mean that it isn't an issue. We still might have to consider the pituitary gland in all of this. So already at step one, we're making an assumption that isn't necessarily true. And if we're assuming that the pituitary is okay, that the brain is okay, that it's sending out the right messages, um, you know, maybe that isn't necessarily so. Next, the pituitary releases TSH to tell the thyroid to do its work. And this is the only thing that's routinely measured. Next, there's an enzyme, TPO, that's produced. And that's what actually makes the hormones. But uh uh-oh, it's not uncommon to have an autoimmune condition that causes the body to destroy this enzyme. So if a doctor has only measured the TSH and not the enzyme, it doesn't actually mean that the hormone is being made. Next, the liver and the gut need to convert most of the active hormone. So here's another step where things can go wrong. And that might never even be measured or considered relevant. So if everything has gone right, the hormone goes to our cells to tell our bodies how fast to rev up. Remember that the function of the thyroid, generally speaking, is to determine how fast things happen, how fast we burn calories, how fast all of our body's processes happen, even how fast our hearts beat or how quickly we digest our food. So what do we see when thyroid function is low? First of all, um, I want to clear one thing up. Um, It's often confused. The measurement that doctors use for thyroid, the TSH, is a little confusing. When the number is high, your thyroid function is low. When the number is low, that means that the function is high. And the reason for this is that it's a measure of how hard your thyroid has to work to do its job. When the number is too high, it's overworked and it's straining to get the job done. That's hypothyroid. When the number is too low, it's saying that your thyroid is asleep at the wheel and it's careening out of control. Some of the symptoms of low thyroid might surprise you. We know some of them fairly well. Fatigue, gaining weight easily, feeling cold, poor circulation. But actually, everything slows down, including growth. Um, growth of bones and wound healing. We can see foggy headedness and poor memory. Um, We can see numbness in the hands and feet, dry, brittle skin and hair, hair that falls out easily. Interestingly, one of the diagnostics is that the outer edge of your eyebrows fall out. Then there can be very sluggish digestion, constipation, fluid retention, especially like in the face, like a big round moon face. And then we can have high cholesterol because it throws our our fat balance off. And we even see weakened immunity and susceptibility to colds and flu. In men, it can influence testosterone and play a role in lowered sex drive. And we can see all of this even if the TSH is normal. And some doctors would only see that one measurement and just say, 
oh, well, you're getting older, as though that was enough of an answer. And that's not living your best life, to be sure. When thyroid function is high, we see things revved up. We see heart palpitations, a rapid heartbeat, anxiety, anger, high blood pressure, insomnia, trembling, difficulty gaining weight. And then both of these can have an inflammatory or autoimmune component. If it's low and autoimmune, we call that Hashimoto's disease. If it's high and autoimmune, we call it Graves' disease. So that's the big picture. So why is the thyroid an issue for so many people? Clearly, there are things that we're doing that are making this really important little gland unhappy. So let's look at what those things are, because that is the key to solving or at least improving the situation. It's important to be proactive about it because thyroid situations are actively progressive. As we'll see, they can have strong impacts on many areas of the body. Um, If we see slow wound healing, slow bone healing, um, that can affect our longevity. And um, if we have high thyroid, that puts a lot of stress on the heart and high blood pressure. um, And that can also wear the body down and affect our longevity as well. So what can we do? Well, there are a number of factors that go into the health of the thyroid. One simple thing is just iodine levels, whether we're getting enough iodine. If iodine is deficient, we can't make thyroid hormone. It's as simple as that. So using real sea salt and eating food from the ocean is important. And you can specifically test for iodine levels as well if you're concerned. If needed, we can take uh, an iodine supplement and we'll talk more about supplementation later on in the show. Um, selenium and vitamin D deficiencies can also contribute to this issue. Now, another reason um, could be that we're exposed to substances that compete with iodine, and that makes it difficult for us to use the iodine that we do have. Now, one of the big ones is fluoride, because it's added to almost all public water systems in the U.S., And a smaller factor is it's also added to toothpaste, which even though we don't eat the toothpaste, you know, just having it in our mouths, we do absorb a little bit. Um, Fluoride is added to these things to make our bones and teeth strong. But fluoride is found in other places. It's in tea with almost twice as much in green tea as there is in black tea. And um, fluoride, or really a component of, of fluoride, Um, is is similar to iodine, um, and that makes it difficult for iodine to do its job. Um, Chlorine is in the same category, and chlorine is also added to water systems, and it's used to kill off bacteria and other infectious agents. So a good water filter is essential here. Um, You also may be, you may want to be careful about inhaling chlorine in laundry and cleaning products. Um, There's also a lot of chlorine in pesticides. So this is yet another reason to eat organically. 
And it's also really common in household pe uh, pesticides, such as bug spray and rodent poison, things that control infestations in the home. So be careful about that. Um, it's also commonly used in manufacturing and construction. So if, if that's your job or your home is under construction, be aware of that too. And another source of chlorine are swimming pools and water parks. That's such a tough one for me because swimming is one of my all-time favorite sports, but I do have, myself have to be a little careful with that. Um, bromine is in this category too, and that's sometimes used as a substitute uh, for chlorine in swimming pools and hot tubs. Um, and it's also used to make things fireproof. It's used in a lot of flame retardant clothing and blankets, and that's often used for children. Um, it's also used as a coating on electronics equipment. Um, and interestingly enough, there's enough bromine in the environment that 80 to 90% of our exposure just comes from dust in our house. And there's one more competitor that we don't think much about. And that's radioactive iodine from nuclear power plants. If you were anywhere in Asia, Hawaii, or the Western United States at the time of Fukushima, the power plant disaster, or ate fish from those areas, there may have been exposure to radioactive iodine. And while we have very few nuclear reactors in the Western United States, there are quite a few of them in the East, and some of them are really concentrated in certain areas. And while no radioactivity is supposed to escape, if you live in an area where it's highly concentrated, it's just something to be a little bit aware of. Now, there's also medical radiation to consider, um, as in chemotherapy, I mean, I'm not chemotherapy, as in radiation therapy for cancer, rather. Um, now, of course, if your doctor is recommending radiation for cancer. I'm not saying you shouldn't have it. Please, not at all. Do not interpret me in that way at all. You have to follow your doctor's advice. But if you are having radiation therapy, you may want to take extra precautions for your thyroid, such as using protective shields in non-essential areas or taking extra iodine before procedures and doing other similar nutrition. And this is particularly true if you work in a medical environment where there's a certain amount of radiation exposure through your work. Cigarette smoke can be an issue, especially when there's uh, an autoimmune component. And bacteria and viruses can affect the thyroid and especially can weaken our immunity um, or stimulate overactive immunity leading to autoimmune conditions as well. Now, as I've said before many times, we do live in this modern world, and that's not going to change. And we do like our modern conveniences. So what we can do is be proactive. We can be aware, we can limit our exposure, and then we can compensate with extra nutrition, which we will be discussing today. I know sometimes we'll be talking about hard topics here on Healthy Wealthy You. But please never get discouraged because the knowledge gives you the ability to compensate and correct, to be aware, so that illnesses are not a mystery. They're not something that's just happening to you. I want you to have the knowledge with the power and the control that, that the knowledge gives you over your own life.
So let's take a break here. And when we come back, we'll take a closer look at each of the most significant thyroid issues, why they aren't diagnosed properly, and what you can do if you suspect that any of these might be an issue for you. This is Dr. Camille, and this is Healthy Wealthy You. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Healthy Wealthy You will help you find the tools to become the best version of yourself. We'll explore all aspects of well-being, nutrition, lifestyle, fitness, mental health, relationships, family, work, finances. It's you living your best life. No matter what your current health or life obstacles, we want to help you cross that bridge to your new life. Our experience with food, nutrition, supplements, functional medicine, specific health issues, and every aspect of what it means to be truly healthy will provide something for every level of interest, bringing new twists on what you already know. We'll help you figure out why you haven't achieved your goals and learn strategies to help you create a personal approach that finally works for you. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But don't forget to make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you. Welcome back to Healthy Wealthy You. If you have questions for Dr. Camille or her guests, feel free to join us on the show at 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792. Now, back to the show with Dr. Camille. Welcome back to Healthy Wealthy You. Today, we are looking at thyroid issues, one of the most widespread, underdiagnosed, and impactful health conditions in our country. Let's look at each of these conditions in more detail and the implications of them for the body. So let's start with low thyroid function. One of the most common symptoms is fatigue. We often say that the thyroid controls our metabolism, how fast our bodies rev up, but how does it actually work? It has to do with oxygen and with the flow of electrons. We've talked about ATP, our energy at the cellular level. We've talked about how we convert the carbohydrates we eat into energy. We did a whole episode on how to make those energy wheels turn back in February, if you want to go back and listen. Now, to add on to what we said then, the thyroid helps the rate of metabolism by feeding oxygen into the system. Think of how oxygen feeds a fire And you can see exactly how the thyroid stokes things up. And that is why the more we exercise, the more oxygenated we are and the better our metabolism. This is exactly how exercise increases our metabolism. It revs up the pyre, we have more energy, and we burn more calories 
for about 24 hours after we exercise. Now, the second way that the thyroid helps this process is by running more electrically charged particles through the system and running them through at a faster rate. Those electrically charged particles, mostly electrolytes, are what make the chemical reactions happen. 3,000 years ago, Chinese medicine called these electrical charges qi, which we translate now as energy. So we've known about this phenomenon a long time, but now we can explain it in more modern scientific terms. Now, the second most common symptom of low thyroid function is difficulty losing weight. And we can already see from what we've talked about so far why this is an issue. But there's a lot more to the story than just the energy picture. When the thyroid downshifts, the adrenals also downshift. And the hormones that they produce help to burn fat. These are epinephrine and norepinephrine. And we just make less of them. And there's another way. Low thyroid also makes the enzyme that helps us to break down fat cells called lipase. It makes it less able for um, us to access those fat cells. Next, low thyroid function makes the liver and gallbladder sluggish. So it becomes more difficult to metabolize the fats in our diet, and it makes it more difficult for us to convert all of our hormones. So it makes it harder to lose weight in multiple ways. Now, this last point about the liver is particularly significant because it sets up a downward spiral. The liver is sluggish, so we have more trouble converting hormones in the liver. And so the thyroid gets even worse, and then the liver gets even more sluggish. Uh-oh. Low thyroid also makes it more difficult for the cells to absorb the carbs that we eat. When we can't absorb them, our bodies feel as though our blood sugar's low, as though we're starving. Our brains send out the message that we must have carbs and we need them fast. So if you get sugar cravings, particularly in the afternoon or at the end of a long day of work, this could be the reason. And it can lead to feeling tired, foggy headed and irritable as well. And that becomes even more important as we have difficulty metabolizing hormones such as progesterone. Progesterone helps us keep our muscles and our tendons strong and supple. It has a lot to do with cellular regeneration. And thyroid and progesterone are directly related. When one is low, the other is low. And low progesterone can have a lot of impact on the body. Um, I've talked about this a bit before in our discussion on, on synthetic estrogens. Low progesterone can lead to PMS, depression, infertility, and it increases our risk for cancer. The sluggish liver also keeps us from detoxifying these chemical estrogens. So it's kind of both. We make less progesterone and we also have too much estrogen that we can't process. So we can't detoxify the chemical estrogens and that causes water retention and adds to weight gain. These chemicals in, in the environment that mimic estrogen create a scenario for hormonal havoc. 
And that's exactly what happens when progesterone and estrogen get out of balance. It has big health ramifications. So I'd love for you to go back and listen to that episode. I think that one was really important. So as you can see, for people with low thyroid issues, that's about 15 million people in the U.S. with low thyroid, um, weight loss is not a simple matter of eating less and exercising more. It's much, much more complicated than that. But again, don't get discouraged. We're going to talk about some solutions today. Another issue that we mentioned with low thyroid is poor wound healing and poor bone healing. Again, the fact that everything moves more slowly plays in here. Um, the wound healing is happening slowly too. Um, but the way that it happens is interesting. We're, um, we're producing less growth hormone and growth hormone produces a substance called IGF-1. When our thyroid is low, we have, produced, we have trouble producing IGF-1. And so that directly impacts our ability to grow. And in the case of adults, growth means regeneration. And regeneration is the secret of longevity. When our cells start to age faster than we can regenerate them, that's when we see the effects of aging. Young people have lots of growth hormone and lots of ability to regenerate their bodies. They can respond to wounds and challenges to the cells on a daily basis. And it's this ability to regenerate that is, biologically speaking, the very definition of being young. Now, we see this also specifically with bone healing, and we see it in a very unusual way. When thyroid is very low the, and the bones need to heal, such as when you have a broken bone, what happens is the ends of the bones can be flattened. Think of like the... Uh, a chicken bone leg and how the ends are really round and full. With thyroid issues, the ends flatten out and it can affect the bone length. It can grow back shorter. And when that happens, it can actually lead to permanent issues with body mechanics. It can affect the range of motion and cause pain. So it can really have a profound effect. It's something definitely to watch if you have a broken bone. Next, we can see issues with a sluggish digestion. When food moves through the digestive tract more slowly, we can assimilate our nutrition as well. We don't eliminate as well. We, don't, we build up toxicity. We throw off our intestinal flora and we create a lot of inflammation. This can set the stage for inflammatory bowel diseases such as colitis. A healthy gut is a key to a healthy immunity. And it can lead to a lot of other health issues, including any of the, any of the autoimmune diseases. It always blows me away how much one health issue can lead to another, how everything is so deep re, deeply related to everything else in the body. We've really gone down a road of hyper-specialization in medicine, where doctors create smaller and smaller niches of expertise. And this, while the expertise and focus has a value, we must not lose track of the bigger picture of how everything is related. Now, we've looked at 
underactive thyroid, let's look at overactive thyroid. We become like an over-revving engine, and that puts huge stress on our body and even on our psyches. Think of a motor that's just burning itself out. One of the biggest impacts is on the heart, as we mentioned. The heart can race too fast or beat too hard, and that puts extra stress on the heart. It makes it more difficult to do intense exercise as we can get our heart rates up too high, and that can affect our overall fitness over time. Our blood pressure is higher, and we know all the implications of that, the possibility of strokes, etc. And it affects us emotionally when we're that revved up. We have a faster trigger for anger and anxiety, and that can affect our relationships. It makes us less resilient to stress, and that can affect us in the work environment. Hyperthyroidism can also lead to higher risk pregnancies. There are issues with high blood pressure, which can become very important during pregnancy. There can be difficulty um, with the mother gaining a proper birth weight. There can be excessive vomiting and dehydration, miscarriages, and sometimes babies will deliver prematurely, and babies can sometimes have lower birth weights. Now, either low thyroid or high thyroid can be triggered by autoimmunity. So that's a whole new situation. Um, Again, in the case of low thyroid, that is what we call Hashimoto's. And in the case of high thyroid, it's usually Graves' disease. So when there's an autoimmune component, that creates a big extra layer that needs to be addressed. What's happening here is that our bodies are seeing either the thyroid gland itself or the hormone that's produced as a foreign invader, and it tries to go in and destroy it. And when I said that thyroid issues can become really progressive, this is one of the big ways because the gland is fairly delicate. And if the body is actively trying to destroy it, after a while, it won't be able to function much at all. So it's particularly important when there's an autoimmune component to be proactive in solving it. So how do we diagnose autoimmunity? Again, it's not often tested by many doctors. They're usually just testing the TSH. So what we need to look for in the case of low thyroid is we look for TPO antibodies. That's a sign that we're attacking an enzyme that's needed for hormone production. Or we might see TGB antibodies. In this case, we're attacking a protein that's needed to make the thyroid hormone. Lastly, we might have TSH antibodies. And that's when we attack the chemical messenger that tells the thyroid how much hormone to make. Now, when we see TSH being attacked, then that can lead to the thyroid either being too high or too low. Now, when we have an autoimmune condition, it becomes tricky to stimulate thyroid directly, such as giving iodine supplements, because anything you can do can trigger the immune system to go on the attack. I've seen this in Hashimoto's, where you give a little iodine, the thyroid swells up, and the person's symptoms get worse. 
So fortunately, I do have an iodine product that works well with Hashimoto's for most people. And we'll talk about treatment later. Many things can trigger the autoimmune response. So um, let's, take, take, let's take a look at some of those things. Interestingly, gluten can be a big issue here. Now, I'm not someone who says that everyone should be gluten-free, and I know that a lot of functional medicine practitioners do make that recommendation. I think there are a lot of people for whom it's a problem, um, but, but a lot of people adopt a gluten-free diet just because they're desperate for answers to their health issues, and they've heard that it might be a good thing. But it really is a significant life change for people. So if it's really clear from your symptoms that you need it, you know, for some people, it's really obvious, um, um, you know, by all means, you know, it, it can be really important. But if, you, if you're on a gluten-free diet and you're being quite strict about it and you aren't getting relief from being gluten-free, I think it's really worth your while to be tested so that you know for sure. It can be so impactful one way or another either on your overall health, if you need to be gluten-free and you aren't, or on your lifestyle, if you're trying to be gluten-free and you don't really need to be. Now, having said all that, autoimmune thyroid is one time that it almost always matters a lot. The thyroid gland has certain chemical similarities um, um, to gluten to the gluten molecules. So it's easy for the immune system to get confused between them. So eat, eating gluten really can trigger the immune system into attacking blindly once those messages have been set up, once the immune system is triggered to do that. And it's a really important consideration here. Next, we need to look at gut health because this is one of the most important issues in immunity. The defenses here are strong because the digestive tract is a place where things from the outside, food and drink, come inside. And so it's a place where the body is especially alert, is especially on alert for what's happening there. And if we're eating foods that cause inflammation, when we're eating foods with chemicals, genetically modified food, food that's factory farmed and subject to a lot more bacteria and viruses because of the poor conditions in which the animals are raised, or when there's mold on food because it sat on the shelf for a year before it even got to you. Those are a lot of things for the immune system to react to. And that's why eating fresh, real food matters. You know my motto, if it wasn't food 500 years ago, it isn't food now. Don't eat it. <laughs> eat fresh. Support the farmers. Eat organically. It matters. Now, I know some people have a hard time because it is more expensive, but the way I look at it, you can pay more at the grocery store or you can pay at the doctor's office. It's up to you. So keeping the gut healthy and free of inflammatory foods is really important to any autoimmune disease. Making sure that there isn't bad bacteria in the gut, making sure that we have healthy flora, working on leaky gut if that's an issue, making sure that we eliminate well, all of these things make a big difference.
Next, we need to look at other challenges to the immune system because anything that challenges the immune system overall is going to impact autoimmune conditions. So we look at chronic infections. Are there chronic viruses like Epstein-Barr, hepatitis, HIV, long-haul COVID? All of these can overwhelm and confuse the immune system, setting the stage for autoimmunity. Chronic bacterial infections too, such as a chronic sinus infection, unresolved fungal infections can be an issue too. These all need to be addressed one by one to allow the immune reaction to calm down. And I recognize that some of these are big, big issues and some will never go away completely, but you can bring viral counts down. You can bring antibody counts down. And that's what it's all about. Just bringing the levels down below a threshold where the symptoms don't bother you anymore. And I have certainly seen a lot of inspiring transformations when people work at it in the right way. Another issue here is nutritional deficiencies that weaken our immunity. Not having enough vitamin D or natural sunlight or not having enough vitamin C, zinc, selenium, not enough glutathione, which is a very exciting antioxidant that we will be discussing in detail in a few weeks. All the things that we know that go into keeping our immune system strong come into play here, keeping stress down, all the things we know. A few weeks ago, we also did a show on mast cell activation syndrome, which is an important aspect of immunity. In that episode, I interviewed Dr. Talia Hale, an absolutely brilliant functional medicine doctor, and she had a lot to say about helping your immune system. So I hope that you'll go back and listen to that show. Let's take a break here, and when we come back, we can look at e even more things with the autoimmune disease, even more deeply at the auto at the. Let's take a break here. And when we come back, we can look even more deeply at autoimmune disease, which is relevant not just for the thyroid, but for many serious conditions. And then we can look at what you can do to get your thyroid healthy again. This is Dr. Camille and Healthy Wealthy You, and we'll be right back. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Healthy Wealthy You will help you find the tools to become the best version of yourself. We'll explore all aspects of well-being, nutrition, lifestyle, fitness, mental health, relationships, family, work, finances. It's you living your best life. No matter what your current health or life obstacles, we want to help you cross that bridge to your new life. Our experience with food, nutrition, supplements, functional medicine, specific health issues, and every aspect of what it means to be truly healthy will provide something for every level of interest, bringing new twists on what you already know. We'll help you figure out why you haven't achieved your goals and learn strategies to help you create a personal approach that finally works for you. 
These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Want to see what Voice America is up to behind the scenes? Follow us on TikTok at Voice America Talk Radio. Welcome back to Healthy Wealthy You. If you have questions for Dr. Camille or her guests, feel free to join us on the show at 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792. Now, back to the show with Dr. Camille. Welcome back to Healthy Wealthy You. This is Dr. Camille. We're talking today about thyroid issues, one of the most common and most impactful health issues that we see. We've just been talking about how the immune system affects the thyroid, and I want to add another layer onto this discussion. It matters what kind of immune response we're having. We have a fast immune response, our B cells, and then we have a secondary and sometimes more powerful immune response, the T cells. Now, which of these is responding and how they are responding matters tremendously to how we treat it. In fact, there's a very sophisticated test that we use to diagnose this. We can look at each of these cells and even their subtypes, like helper T cells or killer T cells. And then we can look at whether they are responding too much or responding not enough. And we can also look at the cells that turn off immune responses when there isn't anything that the immune system should be fighting. All of that matters. There's also a second test that I really like, um, 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 and that one is that um, tests for chemicals that are triggering these autoimmune reactions. These chemicals are called inflammatory cytokines, and even standard lab tests like Quest and LabCorp are, um, are testing for these now. Standard labs uh, are testing for them now. It takes a long time to get the results, about six weeks, but it's a really valuable test. Now, I don't offer any of these tests routinely through my website because they're both very sophisticated tests and they need a lot of interpretation. So if you really want to get to the root of your immune issues, do see a functional medicine specialist and have them evaluate this and they can make very specific recommendations for your individual situation. Now let's just do an overview of what this means. We can have a short-term allergic response where we see the effect within minutes or within a couple of hours. For example, we see that sometimes when people eat peanuts or shellfish, they, they eat a certain food and their throats swell up and they can't breathe. Um, it can be a very clear and immediate response. But we can also have a low-grade chronic response, and this can be a lot harder to see, especially if we have the same exposures every day. We just know that we don't feel well. 
but it might not be as obvious what's causing the reaction. An example of this might be mold in our house or maybe um, the gluten that we eat every day. There's a great book by Dr. Detise Karazian called Why Do I Still Have Thyroid Symptoms If My Lab Tests Are Normal? I've heard Dr. Karazian lecture, and I highly recommend this book if you're having autoimmune issues, because I think he does a really nice job of explaining some complex issues in a fairly straightforward way. He even goes a lot, lot further than what I'm doing today. And he's researched some good solutions. So I do want to share a bit of what he has to say. So we can have an overabundance of B cells. These are the cells that tell our immune system who the enemy is. And when we have too many, we can start to see our own bodies, our own cells as enemies. This can often be triggered by food allergies or by eating too much sugar. Parasites can be an issue as well. This is what we call TH1 dominant. And also, this is a lot of what Dr. Talia was discussing. Then we might have too many fighters, such as killer T cells, and they just start going crazy, wanting to kill everything. This is what we call TH2 dominant. Then we might not have enough suppressor T cells. These are the ones that tell our immune system that it's enough now. The emergency is over and things can quiet down. So the immune system keeps reacting and reacting. So when we evaluate the immune system with the two lab tests that I mentioned earlier, we can get a great perspective of what is happening. We see exactly which immune cells are high or low, and we see what kind of inflammatory chemicals the body is making that's causing all the fuss. And once we know that, we have a good idea of how to break the cycle. Dr. Karazian outlines a great program for this. First, we support the cells that regulate the process or suppress the excessive response. We can do this with vitamin A, D, vitamin E, as well as fish oils. Two of our big antioxidants, glutathione and SOD can be helpful and probiotics and colostrum are good here too. Then we have to look at whether there's Th1 dominance or Th2 dominance and treat it accordingly. This is where the testing is critical because if you get the wrong one, you'll make things worse. Dr. Karazian makes the analogy of a seesaw. When one goes up, the other has to go down. So you don't wanna send things off in the wrong direction. To increase Th1, meaning to bring down the response of the B cells, we use either astragalus or echinacea. We can also use lemon balm or licorice, beta-glucans, and maitake mushrooms. Now, I see a lot of formulations that use both astragalus and echinacea together. And if you see any formula that has both of them together, Be very careful about how you use it, especially if you have an infectious agent of some kind, bacteria, viruses, fungus. Um, And here's the reason. Um, Echinacea 
is only supposed to be used for short periods of time, a week to two weeks at most. And it's for acute problems. But astragalus is something that you specifically don't use for acute infections. Because one of the functions of astragalus is to build up the cells and it will build up the bacteria and the viruses and the fungi. So we use astragalus in the long term only when there are no infectious conditions. So we have one herb that's used acutely and what another herb that's contraindicated in acute, acute infections. I see so many formula, formulations made with both of them. And I really do caution you, it, it really would be probably recommended to use a different product. Now, also, if there's a, an issue that we um, want to increase Th1 and bring down the B cells, we want to be careful of caffeine because caffeine will make the situation worse. Now, on the other side, um, if we want to go and stimulate Th2 and bring down the killer cells, we can use green tea extract, grape seed, pine bark, white willow bark, lycopene, resveratrol, and pycnogenol. Now, for both Th1 and Th2, we can regulate with boswellia and curcumin. And curcumin, and both of these actually are great because they also bring inflammation down as well as regulating the immune system. So the strategy would be to work with this for a while and then retest. Then once the immune system is calm, other direct strategies can be employed to improve the thyroid function itself. In the case of low thyroid, iodine can come in. And I do have a hands-down favorite iodine, and that is from Global Healing Center. It's on the Healthy Wealthy You website. And it really is the most easily tolerated by people with autoimmune issues. So it can be introduced much more quickly than other brands that I have found. I also really like that it's a liquid because we can titrate up very slowly and be very refined in our dosage, adding one drop more each day or two to make sure that we don't trigger an autoimmune reaction or that we don't overstimulate the thyroid and get the heart beating too fast um, or see other high thyroid symptoms that I've mentioned. We can also add in other minerals, magnesium, zinc, manganese. Um, ashwagandha is an adaptogen herb that's been shown in several studies to be helpful. Then, of course, it's important to work with all the hormones because they do interact so powerfully with each other. Clean up the sugar to get the insulin under control. Detox the synthetic estrogens. Work on the progesterone with a qualified practitioner. Progesterone regulation is such a big one here because thyroid and progesterone go hand in hand. And when one goes down, the other one will go down. For most women, progesterone levels do start to go down in our late 30s. Next, detoxify the liver. Get the conversions working better. Again, if you have any serious conditions, do this slowly and with medical supervision. Get moving, 
exercise, get oxygenated. This will boost thyroid function and help to break the downward spiral. Now, what to do if thyroid function is too high? If it's autoimmune, work on that. But unlike low thyroid, you can work on other things at the same time. You won't trigger negative reactions. Work on bringing down inflammation and excitation. Definitely prioritize a detox. Eat a lot of anti-inflammatory foods. Get your fruits and vegetables, especially the vegetables. Consider having vegetable smoothies a few times per week. There are recipes on my site. Anti-inflammatory substances like curcumin and cumin seed oil can be helpful. Minimize excitation, caffeine, and other stimulants. Get proper sleep. Take magnesium. Last week's show was on magnesium and dampening down an overexcited nervous system. So I definitely recommend listening to that one. Consider an adrenal supplement like Cortisol Manager, which is on my website, because adrenal overexcitation will amp up the thyroid and together they amp up that heart and blood pressure. And check your pH balance. You can get test strips on my site also. Acidity stimulates our nervous system. Alkalinity calms the nervous system. And that's where lots and lots of vegetables can be helpful. And avoiding or minimize extremely acidic foods like coffee and soda can be helpful here too. And use your mind to slow yourself down. It makes a difference. Take a pause in your day. Take a breath. Take a walk. Do meditation or mindfulness, or yoga. Your mind is one of your most powerful tools, and it's available to you anytime, everywhere. Taking on these thyroid issues are so important to feeling vibrant and living a long and healthy life. I hope you feel truly inspired to embrace your health today. Do good things for yourself. Make time for your self-care. Move one thing forward every day. A better life is in your hands. I look forward to talking to you again next week. This has been Dr. Camille and Healthy Wealthy You. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Healthy Wealthy You. Have a question but weren't able to get on the show today? Join us next week and call in. Until then, hold that inspiration.